All right, today we're going to uh, open up to uh, Matthew chapter 12. Verse 46. As we get there, let's, um, I just want to commit to prayer because, you know, my, my mind is already on like throwing a Frisbee and eating a cheeseburger and chucking a football. Um, I know we have the football, I don't know if we have the Frisbee, but that's kind of where my mind is going already. And I don't want it to be there, right? We're giving them the word, but. So let's, uh, let's, let me, let's just pray and have all of us get our mind set on the most important thing, and that is, that is giving worship unto the Lord and reading from His Word. So Lord, we, we thank You that we get to come together as a family, and we thank You that just, just eight, ten years ago, this was a congregation of ten, and now it's not. Now it's larger. And Lord, we thank You for the family atmosphere that You are bringing here. And Lord, we pray that you just continue to encourage that and pour out your water and your, and, and your breath upon it. We pray for wonderful times today at the barbecue, just having fellowship. Lord, we even pray for special opportune times to even witness to people that may be in the park. Lord, we pray for your presence to be there and to be here now as it always is. But Lord, I pray for myself and also for all of us that we can just focus right now on your word before we go and... Have a good time with everyone. Let's just have a good time with your word right now, Lord. Mm. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So uh, those of us that are, uh, that are guests and those that may be listening online a little later, uh, <clears throat> this is going to be a little bit more of a uh, condensed um, teaching. Um, and it's in part because we're going to have our church barbecue, our annual church barbecue today. But we still want to exalt the Lord in His Word and gain an understanding. So what we're going to do today is uh, we're going to uh, come to Matthew chapter 12, as I just said. Verse 46 says, While he was still talking to the multitudes, behold, his mother and brothers stood outside seeking to speak with him. Then one said to him, Look, your mother and your brothers are standing outside seeking to speak with you. But he answered and said to the one who told him, Who is my mother and who are my brothers? And he stretched out his hand toward his disciples and said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. All right. So uh, in preparation for the, the church barbecue, is just kind of going to the Lord and saying what would be a, a good message for today. Because um, I, I never like to just do things in routine. I really want to just hear what is the Lord speaking uh, in the atmosphere of what we're going through during a week or in a season. And I felt the Lord was just uh, bringing me to this concept of um, the lone cowboy. The lone cowboy. Uh, and the reason is because I feel that there is a lot of uh, people uh, in America, particularly, that are alone. Uh, and it comes out of a part of an understanding of the exaltation of the romance of the lone cowboy, right? On his, on his horse, going out into the west where the sun sets and just kind of doing his thing by himself. Uh, this is particularly for men, but I think it's also for women. But there, there seems to be a, a social component in our society that exalts this notion of the cowboy, and there's a lot of wonderful traditions that the cowboy has brought forth 
uh, to us, or hard work. You know, valor and character. You think about like the old cowboy movies, right? Like saving the damsel in distress. You know, that kind of heartbeat on the American imprint is, is a wonderful thing. Uh, but it can also become quite toxic and quite bad if it's not interpreted the right way. And I believe this is going to make a little bit more sense when we get into it. Um, the notion of the cowboy is, is, is an element in uh, American society which is known as the rugged individual. I don't know if you've ever heard of that term before, rugged individualism. Um, it's really at the blueprint and the fingerprint of what America was. I don't know about anymore. Um, what is rugged individualism? It's a concept of deeply rooted uh, American and I would even say potentially Australian type of philosophy, but it's really America made it famous. And it's the notion of being a rugged individual. What that means is I don't need no help from anybody. I want to pull myself up by my bootstraps and hack it out of the wilderness. It's an old American concept of like, come on, pony on up, man up, get her done, get things done. You don't need the government help. You don't need your neighbor's help. You are going to make a man out of yourself and you're going to work hard and you're going to be tough and you're going to make it happen. Uh, in many regards, I mean, there's, you know, there's history books written on this concept. It's what essentially made America uh, is the notion of, all right, you're going to go out west. You're going to take your family. You're going to take a gun. You're going to take your supplies. You're going to get on a wagon. You're going to cross the Mississippi. If you come across uh, Native Americans and Indians and you got to deal with the idea with there's no doctors around, you got to build your own log cabin, you got to do your thing, and you got you to gotta make it happen. Um, it is uh, deeply rooted in our society, and I don't think we quite understand it as much, uh, unless you really travel and spend time in other societies. Um, the notion of this rugged individual kind of thing um, is not necessarily here anymore in many regards. I mean, most of us work in a cubicle. You're not cutting down trees and making a log cabin. But we still see remnants of it. And you'll see it in your movies. you see it in your TV shows. You'll see it in the exaltation of like soldiers and cowboys. You'll even see it, I love it, in like SUV commercials. Like you think about a typical SUV commercial, right? You have an SUV and there's a guy like in a suit, right? And he gets into the SUV and he like turns it on. And then he's driving to work, but he's like climbing over the snow and the mountains and all this junk. Junk, you know, you're like, like, come on. If you live in Bucks County, with all due respect, if you live in Bucks County, you do not need an SUV. You don't need a Hummer. You don't need a Jeep. You don't need a pickup truck unless you're in construction and working. You don't need it. You don't need it. But yet we buy it, especially us guys, right? We're like, oh yeah, yeah, you want that kind of car. Uh, and it really comes out of this deeply rooted sense of like, oh, to be a man or to be an adult, maybe in some regard, is in this deep place in Americana where we do this. And I don't want to necessarily, you know, knock it because there is something about not being alone, but there is something about being responsible for one's actions and getting things done when they have to get done when things are tough. Um, in many regards, I mean, I wish... This, our generation would, would probably get even more of that. So I want to completely knock it. But it also has done some um, not so great things because uh, essentially uh, what we have here is it's created a, no a notion of the, the lone cowboy. Uh, Kurds is being scared to death and saddled up anyway, John Wayne, right? This is like, this is it. I mean, you think about John Wayne. You think, I mean, this is, this is like, 
They don't have that in France, right? They're not, they don't have like a French John Wayne, like, you know, riding his horse out in the Pyrenees, you know? I don't, you know like they, they don't do this. I mean, we do it, and the Australians do it. What we have to, to make sense out of this, I really do believe that this concept of the lone cowboy can, in fact, come into our, our psyche and our, our, our spirituality. And uh, I believe, uh, at least for today, there are three types of this kind of independent spirit uh, that is in uh, America today and in the church. The first one is the, uh, what I'm calling the lone cowboy. Uh, this is the person who purposely and willingly isolates himself. They purposely do it. They willingly, knowingly are just like, I don't want to be around people. I don't want to deal with stuff. I am going to be by myself. I want to be isolated. So that's the lone cowboy. Because essentially, you know, you're a cowboy. You're out in the wilderness by yourself a lot of times for long periods of times. This is the whole notion of the cowboy. Like, I'm going to get it done. I don't need any help. I got it. Which is not necessarily a good thing. Number two, um, probably the most devastating in some regards is the unwilling cowboy, the unwilling independent person. This is someone who does not want to be alone. They don't want to be alone. They don't want to be to themselves. They really want to engage with other people, but something has happened. Essentially, a hurt caused he or she to, to leave. Something was done to them, so they're now going to isolate themselves from other people. They're going to say, I don't want to deal with the hurt. I don't want to deal with the, 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 the elements of having to be engaged and be friends with another person. I've been hurt too many times. You know, everything, everything costs something. Even love. One of, the, one of the main costs of love is, is, is tremendous. It's pain. To love someone means you're going to experience pain at some point. Think about the love that parents have for their children and children for their parents, right? At some point, the parents are going to move on to eternity. And the children have to let go of that, that, that experience. And there's pain that's there. Loving a spouse one day a spouse is, is going to go on into eternity. And now the cost comes in. The pain. Or even if you don't want to be so morbid, I mean, you know, we all have experience. Like you love someone and there's pain there because, because you love them so much they may hurt you, right? And so what happens with this unwilling, independent cowboy, if you will, is that they've been hurt so much and they've experienced the pain, they don't want to cough up the cost of it. The pain hurts more than the benefits of the love that I could receive. These are usually people that actually feel very deeply. And they feel much, much love, but they also feel much, much pain. And so the pain outweighs the love, and they've chosen to just, I'm going to isolate myself from the community. I'm going to isolate myself from people. Anyone know of, like, anyone in your circle of friends or in your family that may represent those two types? Someone who just wants to be alone, and then someone who just unwillingly has become alone because of the hurt. Yeah, do you want me to show of hands? The third one. The compensating, compensating cowboy. 
I think this is the one that actually may be most prevalent in our society. This is the extroverted person who's extroverted, who is bubbly, who is like the center of the crowd. Everyone's like, oh, wow, this, this person, you know, there, there's so much fun to be around. This, that, and the other thing. Uh, they're extroverted and involved, but actually they've never really opened up. <clears throat> they're isolated inside of their heart. They're isolated inside of their mind, their soul. They never open up their feelings. They, 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 they'll, they'll be really close to you, but then at a distance, right? And then they don't open up to allow you to come on in. That person is very alone. Very alone. And very isolated. Even if they're putting up a front of, oh, look, I smile and everything's fine. And, hey, yeah, let's hang out. Let's do this, that, and everything. So I feel like there's really three types of this type of mentality. Uh, Proverbs 18 actually warns us about this. An isolated man seeks his own desire. I'm here to tell you, if, if you know someone who isolates himself, or if you isolate yourself in one of these three ways, you are seeking your own desire. That own desire may be, uh, I just don't want to feel pain. I want to isolate myself and not really love on people because I don't want to experience that pain of them not loving me back, of them moving, of them disappearing. Uh, it could be you're seeking your own desire and the fact that you know you're like, hey, I just want to do what I want to do and I don't want anyone to watch over me and I don't want anyone to tell me that I can't do this or do this and so I'm just going to live my own little independent life. But it's, it's a sad place. It's a sad place. Uh, and I'm speaking as a man, uh, males particularly gravitate towards one of those three. Females by nature, the way the Lord has made, made most of you, have a tendency to be more of the opposite of the alone, like wanting to be together. And, and men have a tendency in our society to really gravitate towards one of those places. Obviously women do as well, but men have, by nature, really have a tendency to do that, not open up. Now, it doesn't have to be this way. Genesis 2.18 says, It is not good for man to be alone. And so he made Eve to be a companion to Adam. And the loneliness, or being alone, doesn't have to be between male and female in a marriage. It could be between friends, right? And family. What we have here is he has called you, God has called you into, into the fellowship of saints. He's called you to be around brothers and sisters. And if you're one of these lone types, it's time for you to get out of that. Amen? Because you're not called into that. Unless you're John the Baptist with a very specific ministry, you are not called into loneliness. I'm going to repeat that. You are not called into loneliness. No good comes out of alone except for when fasting and in prayer. We were meant to run together. One of my favorite scripture verses is Psalm 133. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to, to dwell together in unity. Has anyone ever heard of that? Right? How good and pleasant is actually a song. How good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is the Lord's heart for us to dwell together, but also dwell to get together in unity of spirit. And if you're a lone cowboy type, you're not going to be dwelling together in unity.
And if you're in the, the, you're in the center of your little circle of friends, and if you're the type that pushes the people away, you're really a lone cowboy too. You just got so much hurt and so much bitterness and so much junk that you're not letting people in. But the Word has called us, and there's a rejoicement of how wonderful it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. And, you know, we all know that verse, but not many of us continue to read it. If you continue to read it, you're like, oh my goodness, this is why it's so good. It says, it, being together in unity, is like the precious oil upon the head, running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron. And let's unpack this a little bit. The oil that ran down on the beard of Aaron, Aaron was like the first priest. The anointing oil that they're talking about, the oil that, it's like the oil that ran down upon Aaron's beard is the anointing oil to be consecrated as a priest. Actually, to anoint with oil is to, in Hebrew, is Mashiach. Mashiach in Hebrew is the Messiah, the anointed one. Here it is. To really walk out your calling as a priest and really walk out the calling of Messiah, it, you need to be it. And what is the it? To dwell together in unity. It brings forth the anointing of the priests. It brings forth the anointing of Christ, of the Messiah. That's what it's saying here in the Hebrew. It is like the Mashiach. It is like the Messiah. It's like the anointing on the priests of Aaron. That's what it says right here. It is like the dew of Mount Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion. Up in the north of Israel is a mountain called Mount Hermon. It's up on the Lebanese and Israeli border today. It is the only place in Israel outside of Jerusalem like every five years that there's snow. It's just far enough north and the elevation is just high enough for the, the snow to, to be there. It's actually yeah, today, there's a uh, really kind of like, there's, it's kind of funny, there's a ski slope there. I mean, it's kind of like, the, like, it's, it's like smaller than the Poconos, but it's a slope. But what's being said here, it's like the dew of Hermon. It's like the waters of Mount Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion. What we have here is, uh, even today, I mean, the water that is collected on Mount Hermon in that region of Israel is essentially, like it, it is the water source for the Sea of Galilee. It's pretty much like the main water source of Israel. And so what's going on here? What's being said here? It, being together as brothers in unity, is a life source for you. It is a well, it is water, it is going to feed you or, or water you or hydrate you, it's going to give you life. This isn't just like some psychological mojo, this is, this is the scripture saying, come on, you got to come together as brethren. It's in that place that the anointing of God is there and it's going to give you life. And my favorite part, for there, for in that place, the place of unity, place of brotherhood, the Lord commanded the blessing, life forevermore. So in the coming together of brothers, the opposite of isolation is the anointing of God, there is an overflow of life, and there's life eternal. That's like, that's like, that's huge. That's a huge, huge thing. I think so. No? Uh, yes, All right, worship team, come on down. If you may. Tell you a little bit more of a condensed one today. 
What we uh, have to understand here is uh, the gospel is not just about you. I think of many of us who grow up in the, in the faith, and we think the gospel is all about you. It's not all about you. It's about what you get to then give. Um, it's, about, it's about the Godhead, really. I mean, it's, it's about the Father. It's about the Son. It's about the Holy Spirit. It's about bringing forth the kingdom of God. And uh, to take a look at this in terms of coming together as a community, I think it's kind of interesting the fact that the Father uh, is, is, in some regards for us, is, is for us to understand your identity as sons and daughters of the Father. And the Holy Spirit is, is, is here to help us bring forth the kingdom. But Jesus was the one who was able to bring forth the community. He was the one that was able to bring forth the reconciliation between God and man and also man and man. Right? It's this notion of the Godhead has certain functions. And so we as a community really need to look to our Father and gain the understanding of being sons and daughters. And, um, hmm, we need to step into this community. Second Corinthians 5, verses 11 to 21, talk about how the Lord has brought forth the ministry of reconciliation. So I'm just wanting to hear from the Holy Spirit. Just keep going, Mary. I'm just going to... See, so many of us focus on the first sin of humanity. The eating of the fruit, the disobedience to God. And how wonderful it is that a new Adam, Jesus came, a new Adam was given unto earth to slay himself, to bring reconciliation between man and God and God and man. Like the first sin that had ever occurred that led to all other sins has now been received and reconciled with God. But many of us don't think that soon after that there was a second sin. This is no small thing. This is like the first sins on planet Earth. Wasn't lust, wasn't greed, it was, first one, disobedience to God. And the second one was Cain killing Abel because of jealousy. And I know that we, we have received the reconciliation from God. But I've been at this church long enough to know that even in this church, there's still sometimes a rift. Between the Cains and the Abels. It's the second sin that plagued earth. 
And Jesus came to reconcile all of it. To reconcile all of it. How interesting it is that Jesus says, He doesn't say, the world will know you by the number of people that you raised from the dead. How interesting it is that Jesus does not say, the world will know you by how many people you heal in my name. The world will, he doesn't say the world will know you by how awesome you are at quoting scripture and speaking. He says the world will know that you are my disciples by the love that you show one another. Not that you raise a couple people from the dead, it's actually the love that you have for one another. It's a reconciliation between brother and brother. First Timothy chapter 5 says this. Do not rebuke an older man, but exhort him as a father. Younger men look to as brothers. Older women as mothers, younger women as sisters with all purity. One asked, Jesus says, look, who you see before me are my brothers and sisters. It's a call that when we come to faith, when we become a part of a community, that we get to become a family. And it's time. It's really time for these loners to come into a place of healing. Whether you just like being alone because you don't like to interact with other people, you have to understand that there are other people that need you. They need your love. They need your care. They need your wisdom. If someone has hurt you, <laughs> we need to forgive. We need to let go. We need to become, we have to come back to our community. If you're one that's extroverted, but yet you're not opening up, it's probably from a past hurt. And I'm not telling you that you need to open up to everyone yet. But you really should find someone that you can grow in that opening up to. Because we've been called to be a family. We've been called to be a community. So I'm going to challenge you today as we go off to a barbecue where we're all going to be together as a community and as a family. I encourage you to reach out to someone that you have never reached out to before. Go eat a hamburger with them. Go talk with them. If you're a little bit more of a loner type that likes to keep to yourself, I challenge you to just step into a growth of community. And just open up a little bit about yourself to someone. Because these are hard times we're living in. <laughs> the Lord has called us to be a family. Amen?
So Lord, we just pray that as we all go off to our barbecue, that it really would be behold and how good and pleasant it is for us all to come together. Father, we pray for new revelations of friendships, new revelations of brotherhood and sisterhood amongst one another. Lord, we pray that you bind our spirits together even closer and even more. That we can laugh with one another, that we can cry with one another. We have a good old time together. Because we're going to be spending a long time together. Eternity. Lord, we pray for your spirit of grace and love to be amongst us today as we come together. Lord, we just pray for those people who have emotional hurt, who have been wounded, been wounded by a cane, you've been wounded by someone, that their hearts could be softened, their hearts would be able to receive love from another again. Amen. Feel free to sit in the presence for a little bit, but we're really going to be making our way to Silver Lake for our park or to the park for our barbecue. Remember, the maps are out on the the table there. See you there.